0: Host, Carla Nivens. Hi, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman show. Our show is a partner with Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, go to loveministriesbuilds.org. You can get all of the great information about Love Ministries and everything that's going on in this season of ministry, um, especially as kids get back to school. Love Ministries has um, supplies and things, and we're walking alongside all of our kiddos. So reach out to us, um, if there really is a need, also, you can check out my website, go to CarlaNivens.com. Well, I am so excited uh, to welcome for the first time to Every Heart, Every Woman, Sophia Struther. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are uh, here with us. Um, but let me let me tell everyone just a little bit about you, and then I'd love for you to um, just just welcome everyone, and then we'll get into our conversation. Well, Sophia is first and foremost a survivor and an overcomer. She is also an entrepreneur, a community advocate, and an inspirational speaker. Her goal is to empower others who are victims of domestic sexual abuse and trafficking. She doesn't just want to help those who survive it she wants to help to put an end to it i love that she does this by engaging with all level of survivors the ones who witnessed the abuse the ones who are abused and the ones who are affected by a generation of abuse she takes it a step further and shares her story and engages with those who have perpetrated abuse and in in the hope that they will be inspired to change their behaviors. This is true from um, breaking the cycle of abuse. She has spoken to audiences of all ages and in various settings. Sophia, we are so excited that you decided to join us today. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm
1: just appreciative of the invitation to be able to share my voice again, especially on some very serious yet, profound topics that need to be addressed especially in the faith community
0: yes and i see that the approach you take is you leave no one off the table no life um um you you it sounds like you're thinking that no life should be spared we need to speak to all the levels to make sure that everyone is living the free life that god has called us to live
1: well it's absolutely essential like you cannot um, stop a cycle of abuse and not deal with the abuser. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have more than enough programming and platforms for those that are affected by the abuse. But if you only deal with the end result and you don't deal with the root, you're never going to actually truly break a cycle. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things, especially in trafficking, that we deal with is There is no supply without demand. And so the demand are the perpetrators. So holding them accountable, again, engaging them is not getting them off the hook for what they did. It is, why are we doing what we're doing? Like, what is leading you to feel like it's okay? To control a human being, buy and sell a human being, rape a human being, or abuse a human being. Is it because you don't feel something about yourself? Is it your own past? Is this means for control and domination overwhelming to where you feel like you have to take another life um, in order to do that? So like getting to the root of those issues is absolutely essential, and it has to be a part of the holistic approach to trying to decipher and then eventually break down the cycle of abuse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I, lo- I love that holistic approach. Now tell us what is it about your particular story, your particular background that leads you to be so passionate about restoration and empowerment?
1: Well, given that, you know, I've been unfortunately victim to child sexual assault by the hands of my father from the age of nine, and then upon his untimely death at the age, uh, at my age of 13, and then my mother, with her inability to cope with that a amount of grief, who was already on crack cocaine, because this is the late 80s, early 90s, and I'm from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, Upper East Coast, where that's where it really hit uncontrollably in the beginning, just like, How can we look at the fact that my mom looked at her 13 year old daughter at that point and said, you know what, I'm going to groom her so that I can sell her and have it to where she can make the money for my drugs and to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and then just turn me loose um, at the age of 15 after I was raped by her drug dealer and had my first son, you know, like how how do we allow these particular things to go unchecked? Familiar trafficking is one of the most underrated, under-talked about types of abuse, and it's actually almost half a percent, almost half of the percentage of those that actually are abused. However, there's no category for it in CPS. There's no category of it being talked about. Even within the foster care system, they don't look at foster care abuse as familiar abuse or domestic violence, which In and of itself, it's domestically happening. It's through a relative and or familiar setting, and we still don't put numbers on it. We still don't have a tracking mechanism for it. But again, all of the decisions that I made as a result of that from a hurt place ended up leading to me being into decades of very toxic relationships, domestic violence, even in intimate partner relationships, to where I'm 36, um, looking at a bottle of pills. And and I know who God is. That doesn't mean that I'm healed just because I know God. Yes. Um And and thinking about, hey, God, if this is what we want to do, can you go ahead and take me out of here? Like I'm done. Like I, I'm done with, I have the facade that I'm successful because my career is there. I got my bachelor's. I got my master's. I, I was able to matriculate up through the system, even in a corporate setting, but I'm still an emotional mess. I am still entering into toxic relationships. Why? Because I still see myself as currency. Like I still have not been able to find the new identity that my mother stole from me so many years ago, because everything in my life is a transaction. And so many of us, you don't have to be trafficked to not have an identity, to not know who you are and know your value and your purpose, to where you continue to make these habitual decisions of currency like you have actually allowed yourself um, to be demoted to a status that is not what God has for you. But again, until you realize that these decisions you're making are in a hurt place and stop blaming yourself as if you are the circumstance, you continue to be in this vicious cycle that you come out of it feeling depleted. Every relationship, every interaction, even within your family. This mm-hmm. is not just intimate partners. Even within relationship ties that we feel like, well, you family, so I have to subject myself to abuse. I have to subject myself to being manipulated and used over and over again. You do not. Mm-hmm. Especially as an adult, you have the right to decide who your family is. Who are the individuals that you have around you? And they need to be people that, one, If they're not praying for you, they're building you up. They're supporting you. They're moving that um, positive atmosphere forward. And you don't continue to subject yourself to years of turmoil because, oh, well, that's family. No, no, ma'am. I have family that I love them, but I do not interact with them on a daily basis. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not trying to do something with yourself, I can't Mm -hmm. be a part of that. And so that is kind of what propelled me with all of those dynamics to say, I didn't go through all this hell for me. He didn't allow me to live and be resilient through those types of um, traumatic ordeals just for me. It has to be that it was meant for me to pass this on and or share this and be vulnerable and transparent So especially women of color can see that there's somebody just like them that has endured those things, that have cried the tears. I still cry today, Mm -hmm. but it touched in depression, but I don't stay in depression. I've touched on anxiety, but I don't stay in the state of anxiety, that Mm -hmm. you're not alone. And it's okay to be not okay Mm -hmm. um, from time to time. And I think, unfortunately, in the faith community, you are shamed for having a human experience. Mm -hmm. I tell people we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's okay to to really touch on all of those various emotions of fear, of anger, of feeling destitute. Some sometimes of feeling like I don't know what to do. That does not mean you don't love God. That right. does not mean you don't trust God. That means you're human, just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the garden. I'm sweating blood yes, like yes. sweat.
0: Yes, if yes. it
1: be your will, yes. the act of Jesus saying nevertheless Mm -hmm. was actually him on the cross like it Mm -hmm. wasn't just the act of the cross the crucifixion that act actually started in the garden when Mm -hmm. he said Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. I'm going to forge forward and put myself through humiliation, through ridicule, through excruciating torture. That's Mm -hmm. not just pain, they tortured that man. Mm -hmm. It was the not, nevertheless. And if we say that even in our lives, you don't have to be hooked on no cross and be a martyr for the cause. You Mm -hmm. just have to say in the midst of what you're going through, nevertheless, I'm going to forge ahead. Nevertheless, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Nevertheless, I know that this too shall pass. That's when we start becoming overcomers. Even though we don't see it, we're saying nevertheless until it comes to pass.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I say to myself every single day, but not just every single day, I say it, um really as often as I can, because I'm using it to renew my mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I say it over and over and over and over and over again. One of those things I say is, you know, my life is on this crooked path, it's on this path, and it's not straight, it's going all these jagged ways. But I remember and remind myself that the Lord is with me and the Lord is leading me through. That is my nevertheless Mm -hmm. life the Lord is leading me. I know this thing w- looks crooked. I wish it were a straight path. I wish it, you know, had some trees over it. And I was, <laughs> you know, like I'm, yeah. you know, I'm walking on the, and skipping down on the easy street, um, you know, down the yellow brick pathway, but nevertheless, you know, right. I know that the Lord is with me and I know he's with me on these curves and on this jagged stuff. And he's leading me through and he's got something for me, um, that as I'm, experiencing this, I'm getting ready to be an overcomer and I'm getting ready to share this thing with someone else so that, um, that they can too. So I love that. I I love that. And I was honestly reading Mark this morning, the book of Mark, um, this morning. So I read that about, um, you know, Jesus in that garden, you know, telling his disciples, okay, y'all stand over there, y'all watch and y'all pray. They couldn't do that. They kept falling asleep on him, but he's in there just, and you can just feel just that angst. And just that, you know, that humanness coming out, just, you know, it, if there's another way, like, yes. you know. Yes, like and you know,
1: <laughs> even what you bringing up, he had his three best, his ace boom comes, he brought up there and said, listen, I, I just need you to just keep watch for two, three minutes. Because I'm about to go before the father and be like, look, if you know, if you got another way to save my brothers and sisters, yeah, let's do it. And they couldn't even stay awake. What that tells me is. I need to stop complaining about the fact that I ain't got no friends. I don't have nobody here to support me. I ain't got nobody that got my back because even Jesus couldn't even get those three, but he yet said, yeah, yeah. nevertheless,
0: nevertheless. and lets yeah.
1: us know in some seasons, we're not always going to have somebody there to coddle us, yeah. pat us on the back, yeah, tell us we're true. great and wonderful to that's get true. that hug. And trust yeah. me, this last, few years of my life which i consider my job experience Mm -hmm. i haven't always had somebody there Mm -hmm. and even in those moments i had to realize that jesus couldn't even have somebody there to stay awake (laughs) just to stay awake not to go into war with me not to carry the cross with me not Mm -hmm. to go in the depths Mm -hmm. and pray for me but just stay awake who am i to um, sit up here and get depressed and be all in a tizzy when I can't get two or three folks to check on me. And yeah. I was in that space where yeah. I was wondering why, you know, you know, my mother and my father just died. You know, I've had five surgeries in the last six months. Why are not people calling on, um checking on me? Why aren't you coming to give me a meal? Why can't you come help? Then I had to stop myself. Yeah. This is the season that I have to literally say, nevertheless. So again, we have to realize if you don't have the support system, go get one. It's not automatic that everybody's going to come into your spirit, but God can allow you to run into people out there that can then be a part of the support village that you need. Because we do need that. You alone can do it. You alone just with prayer, prayer and supplication, faith without works. It's Mm -hmm. always prayer and something. Mm -hmm. So whenever I used to have people say, girl, just pray on it. That's not enough. (laughs) I've been through decades of trauma. Prayer and an altar call alone is not going to heal traumatic occurrences that have actually metastasized itself into my physical and now my health. We mm-hmm. wonder why, especially we as a people have high rates of diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, heart attack, stroke, mm-hmm. overweight, this that. We are umpteen pills, but oh, but God is good. Okay, but when are we going to get to a point to realize yeah. that all the stressing, all of these things that we're doing, that, because we're not seeking out other remedies of self-care, of mm-hmm. coping. Going to church mm-hmm. alone is not self-care and coping. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I go to church, that's more work than my natural job. So you have to find a space where you are the assignment. We want to feel like we're doing something great and almighty because everybody else is the assignment but us. Mm -hmm. But it says we have to take care of this temple. Mm -hmm. Our temple is an assignment. Mm -hmm. And that means if you don't go to church one week because you went on vacation, you ain't going to hell. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. let a pastor or anybody else in your church tell you you can't take time for you. Hmm. Because if you can't be away from church one Sunday and still not have a relationship with God, that's something a little bit more deeper we need to have conversation about.
0: (laughs) Yes, 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 yeah. So let me me, uh, ask you about your books. I said so far, because I know you got more in you, I can just tell, even though this is the first time we're meeting, but I can tell your spirit. So far you have Sophia, I'm back and taking my life back a nine week study workbook. So tell us about those two books and tell us about the inspiration um, that people find in those to help them with their hurts, their pains and their struggles.
1: So my first book, Sophia, I'm Back, I wrote in my mid-20s. I was actually going through a divorce from my ex-husband who was 20 years older than me and looked just like my father. And that's a whole nother story about the fact that we are drawn to what we're used to, whether it's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And again, me having the issues that I had with my father starting a a sexual relationship with me at the age of nine Mm -hmm. and almost everybody I dealt with was much older than me, whether it was five 10 15 years 20 years older than me that's what I was drawn to because that's all that I knew Mm -hmm. and even with my ex-husband being someone that mirrored and favored my father was a paternal figure and someone that entered my life at 17 he was 37 years old Mm -hmm. that was something that I literally carried on so many unresolved issues from my childhood I carried that into that relationship and so I talk about how that abuse started with my father, how the the drug epidemic back then, which now everybody is just a mental health issue. But when it was in the Black community in the 80s and 90s, we thugs and we criminals lock them up, but we don't want no healing. We don't want no rehab, but we're going to leave that alone. But that was the lifestyle that I came from. And I kind of talk about what that did. But I also intermix my faith component in that and allow people to realize they are more than their circumstance. And that took me a long time to realize because I had so much shame around what I had to do to survive. I had so much shame about what my mother made me do. I had so much shame that it really carried into the fact that I felt like I was only good enough for what I was given. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have somebody say, well, what are your standards when it comes to men? I don't have none. Like what standard would I set mm-hmm. if I don't know my value? Like what boundaries would I have in place if I don't know my my uh, my value? Mm-hmm. And so again, it talks about how those things were set. But even in my mid-20s, I talk about the fact that despite that, there are still rays of sunshine in my life that allow me to be an overcomer in that space. Mm-hmm. As a result of that book, Uh, A young lady that was over the Bridging with Integrity for Austin Independent School District, Dr. Mary Lynn Thomas, read my book and saw me speak. And she asked me to develop a curriculum where I could go into their actual classrooms of all the middle school campuses and all of their high school campuses. They actually operate out of a homeless homeless shelters and rehab centers and go in and be able to tell my story to these young people. And who 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 would imagine I would get paid to tell my testimony? Hmm. But as a result of that, I created a nine week workbook that it doesn't it has nothing to do with abuse. It just anybody that has dealt with life long enough has gone through some things right. And so you're able to go through um, nine weeks of being able to how do I use anger in my benefit? people you hmm. say, well anger is not a way to be able to feel you. It is. I was so mad at what my mom did that I promised myself I wouldn't be like her. Mm -hmm. I promised myself I was going to finish school. I was going to, you know, when I have my children, I'm not going to have it to where I utilize them for my mess, things of that nature. And I also was in a place back then not realizing or seeing my mom as a person. I saw my mom as mom. And it wasn't until about two years ago when she was in the hospital and I went to see her in the hospital on her and I walked in she was just a fraction of her former self she had lost so much weight she had looked like oh god she almost looked homeless I mean she just looked so sad and when I walked in the door I brought um balloons and I brought her some flowers and I gave her a hug and she just cried like a little baby And she said I would have mm-hmm. never thought you would have come to see about me wow. and then it was in that moment that I saw her as a soul Hmm. I saw my mom as a person that lost the love of her life and never, ever healed from it Hmm. and utilized drugs and alcohol and prescription pills to numb the pain and that she didn't. She never had the capacity to love me in the way that I needed to be loved. And I forgave her in that space. It was times I said I forgave her because we say it, I forgive you, but you really haven't. There's still some resentment in that heart. Mm -hmm. But that was the point for me that for my mom, her redemption journey started with me. And Mm -hmm. I think that was something that she always wanted for from me was to know that I truly forgave her. And it was in that moment that I did. And I think sometimes when we're working with people that have harmed us, we don't see them as a person and we don't look at the why. It doesn't mean that I have to continue to interact with you and allow you to abuse me. It doesn't mean that I don't hold you accountable for your actions because the the wages of sin is death. And it's not always just a physical death. It could be a spiritual death wearing away at the soul. It could be a death in the means that you lose relationship. It could be death that you may have forfeited opportunity. That death is really important. And she lost years of having a relationship with me. That was the death that her sins actually meant for her. And there was a death in her health. There was a death in her mental capacity Mm -hmm. in regards to what she did. But for me, I had to learn to love her for who she was and not put expectations on her that are not what she can give me because that will continue to set me up for hurt and disappointment. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I listened to a snippet TD Jakes interviewed Oprah Winfrey and Oprah Winfrey. And I actually shared it on my Facebook page and Oprah Winfrey asked, um, TD Jakes, why couldn't my mother love me? And he said, you were looking for gallon-sized love, and all she had was pint-sized to give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we realized, and my therapist, Cheryl Alexander out of um, Round Rock, once I finally started going to therapy at 36, said to me, you have to understand the Enneagram test. That's what she uses as a platform to gauge personalities. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first things she did with me when I started coming to her. Who are you? Learn how you think, how you operate, how you like to communicate. And then you have those around you take the same test so that you can know how they think, how they operate and communicate. They are not you, Sophia. They are not going to love like you love because they don't think like you think and they don't have the same experiences associated with love like you do. Mm -hmm. Love for me up until my mid thirties equated to sex because that's how my father said, he would love me. He loved me through having sexual interactions with me from nine. Mm -hmm. So if someone said they love me, it means have sex. If I love somebody or if I have feelings for somebody, that means have sex, saved Mm -hmm. or not saved. That was my equation to love. Mm -hmm. Until I realized that I could love without sexual encounters, Mm -hmm. which really wasn't until I was 40 that I could start. And it was my current husband that taught me that, listen, I don't want to be intimate with you. And I couldn't handle that at first because all I knew my love language was sex. Mm -hmm. And until I could deprogram and realize that that's what it was, I dealt with decades of empty and toxic and unhealthy relationships. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to best communicate who I was or to realize that, oh, if people don't do for me or call and see about me, it doesn't mean they don't love me. Mm -hmm. Their way of showing love is actually when they see me in person embracing me. Or when I call them interacting in communication Mm -hmm. or in ministry, it's no, they're not going to check on me when I'm not at church. When they see me, oh, sis, I love you with the love of the Lord. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand it. I've been sick. You ain't checked on me how you love me. Mm -hmm. But I had to realize everybody does not love the same Mm -hmm. and I can't put that expectation on them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we start to understand that, oh, my gosh, what a difference us feeling like we're in it alone or people got something against us or they're out for us. It will change the fabric of how we interact with everybody in our lives, including our children and including family.
0: Yeah. Now, let me just say that you are um, so fantastic about being open and about saying the true things like say, I mean, people may cringe, but you said it. And mm-hmm. it is the truth, and it needs to be said, and we need to hear it, and we need to take it in, and think about it, you know, in in a in a deep level. So, um, I, I I just want to thank you for that, for for being so open. And I want to ask you about um, you have a symposium coming up on October twentieth through the twenty second. It is called Learning to Exhale Symposium and Retreat. Um, I can already tell that people. Are going to leave here um, with a great perspective about themselves. And they're going to leave here with still with some work to do. Um, but you you tell us more about it and more what um, you hope for it to be and and who is it that needs to sign up, that needs to go and sign up for right now.
1: Yes. Yeah, so about five years ago, I had had to have an emergency surgery and I was just, I was laid out for a little bit and I was feeling like I don't really know where to go. This was right after I started counseling um, with Cheryl. So I was 36. I was going into my 37th year of life and I'm just like, what, what is it for me? Like, how do I turn things around for me mm-hmm. and God dropped in my spirit, the learning to exhale restoration strategies. And it was a three prong approach of how to find your voice and brace your now and exhale for your future. Because I had been holding my breath for so long, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for something I'm waiting on things to happen for me as opposed to making them happen for me with guidance from God. So when I say making them happen for me again, faith without works, Mm -hmm. is that which implies Mm -hmm. we have a role to play you can't just go through life saying well god will work it out you got to do something alongside this process (laughs) you you can't sit on your behind and everything be handed to you on a silver spoon
0: it don't happen like that he's telling you you know what you're supposed to do yeah Mm -hmm. my thing is just like with a job okay Mm -hmm. you got bills to pay (laughs) You mm-hmm. can't
1: sit at home all day and say, well, God's going to pay them bills. Hey, go. To no, ma'am. Get your tail up and go to work. You got right. to clock in every day. You got to put some things into it. God can grant favor mm-hmm. with a particular company or job or whatever you're trying to do. He can grant favor with mm-hmm. your customers and clients, but there's still work that has to be done. There's planning that needs to go into it. Yeah. And so with these restoration strategies, he gave me a three-prong approach. The first one is to catch your breath sometimes you just have to stop sis my brother stop Mm -hmm. like we're going through the motions with no plan and no purpose stop you trying any and everything trying to be like the joneses stop Mm -hmm. is it where are you at what where are you at when it comes to your personal life when it comes to your familiar ties your friends your job your finances Mm -hmm. again if you live in check the check and you in your 40s it's a problem Mm -hmm. if you live in check the check and you 40 plus period it's a problem Mm -hmm. so where are you at where's your mindset at the mind matters but what the mouth disrupts there is power In the tongue, you can bring life and death upon yourself. And so you have to catch your breath. After you catch your breath and you just stop a second, then you go into the waiting to exhale phase of your life. That's where you start to plan. And I talk about planning for your fab five. That's planning the circle of friends, the circle of family that you have, your faith component, whatever that may be. I'm not here to dictate who you need to believe in. You just need to believe in something. Mm -hmm. I personally believe in the power of Jesus Christ, but Mm -hmm. I'm not here to tell somebody that doesn't don't come because my lifestyle may rub on you a little bit Mm -hmm. and you might be able to see that. Oh, wait, wait a minute. The faith strategy that she has actually might work for me too. Then you got to look at your finances. Where are your finances at? You trying to have seven figures in your life with a five figure mentality. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you are living for your um your taxes at the beginning of every year, that's not living because yeah. you need to get to a place where you trying to figure out how you don't pay Uncle Sam. That's the lifestyle that I'm in. I'm trying to figure out to lower the amount that I owe him. So, again, where are you at with your finances? And then finally, what does that future look like for you? Mm -hmm. I used to hate when people say, what do you want to be in 10 years? I don't know, girl. I'm trying to get through next month. Do you hear (laughs) me how I say it? So being able to have a three, six, nine, and 12-month plan every year, what do I want to accomplish in the next quarter of my life Mm -hmm. so that you can be able to see successes along the way? Sometimes when we do these goals that are too uh, too far out in the future, you get discouraged Mm -hmm. if you don't see the type of movement you think should be present. And mm-hmm. so in that, we want to make sure that, okay, in the next quarter, this is where I wanted to start a nonprofit. It don't take nothing but about 20 minutes of your time to start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, well, I'm going to get to it down the road when I get the money. It's $300 to start a nonprofit. That's not a school, foundation, or a church. Those are $600 through the U.S. Treasury. So if you can save up $275 to pay the U.S. Treasury, and then you find out how much it is through your secretary of state for your local state, which normally is anywhere from 25 to $100. That means that's your next goal in three months. Mm-hmm. Save up the money to start that nonprofit. Then in the next three months after that, getting to your six month, you build out your boards. You build out what that mission and vision statement is. You build out your purpose. There are things that you can do incrementally that allow you to feel accomplished mm-hmm. without overwhelming yourself with a goal I want to run a nursing home and you work at McDonald's. Okay, if you work at McDonald's and you want to do a nursing home in the next three months, research. Mm -hmm. do your research on what it takes. And the next three months after that, research the type of structure you want to have in place. Mm -hmm. Then in the next three months after that, then you start saving the money up to just have the structure or you start seeking out partners that can invest alongside you or contractors or community areas that you want to do it in. Mm -hmm. There is a way you can do it, but you can't say I work at McDonald's, make an 1875 an hour and I want to build a $2 million complex and you don't have no plan. Because what will happen is Five years later, you still want to do it. Ten years later, that was a dream you had. Mm -hmm. Another two, three years, you even gave up on it because you seem like it's too much for you to do. Mm -hmm. So in learning to exhale what we do, which that's the final step of my restoration strategy, we have that plan in place. We start to provoke manifestation. We start to learn coping because throughout the process, there might be failures. Absolutely. There might be rejection and that rejection may not be a negative thing. There Mm -hmm. was times I was rejected even in relationships and I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to be loved. But God had that ram in the bush and that was my husband. And I thank God. I Mm -hmm. thank God I was rejected in the past Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have met him. I'd have wasted more years on somebody that was not for me. Mm -hmm. There was times even in career I wanted to do this and I was rejected. And I thank God because I would have never invested in myself for this company and Mm -hmm. became a multimillionaire millionaire five years after being homeless there is reason for mm-hmm. everything yes,
0: yes,
1: and so having a plan in place is what we talk about at the learning to excel symposium mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also a retreat because i want you to be in a space where your mind can be conducive to that i don't mm-hmm. want you to feel like you're in a conference i don't want you to shut down because you think it's all academia mm-hmm. i want us to have enthusiasm and be real i am a realist i've been through too much sugarcoat for those that claim that if i'm honest i ain't saying no mm-hmm. i had issues even up until my 40s i have issues today mm-hmm. the bible says that they ask you how many times should we forgive our brother 70 times seven times a day yes. which means he understands that mm-hmm. we are going to mess up amen but you just don't stay in that and mm-hmm. that's what we're going to deal with at the symposium. And they can go to my website, sophiastrother.com and register for that conference.
0: Okay. So Sophia Strother, no S. So, so
1: sophiastrother.com. Okay. And they'll get all the information once they click on it. And again, it's going to be fun um, and lively. We got three days of live entertainment, some great sessions. I got CPAs coming in, life coaches, therapists. Nice. We're going to have a healing room because we're going to lay aside some weights yeah. while we're there. We're going to lay aside some baggage while they're there. So it's for men and women okay. um, so that there's no excuse why you can't come or bring your boo, bring your significant other, bring your family, bring your girls. Come yeah. out and be able to come and learn about you and plan for your future success and your wealth journey.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I think that's wonderful. I think that it just covers every single thing you need. You do need your plan. You cannot do anything. You cannot just say words out of your mouth. You cannot do anything without your plan. But um, all of the baggage, I love it that people can just bring that to the retreat and um, and they're going to leave like a, a whole and a healed person with the plan you know, with the so plan. That, yes, yes. So so that they can leave and and achieve what they want to. I I love that, Sophia. This has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I hope that you'll come back again at, at some point. Um, and that we'll ha- be able to have more conversation. This has truly been a blessing, and and I pray blessing over your life, over this event. Um, over your future books, you know, and, and over um, everything that you're doing for the community. You are truly um, um, a blessing and, and a bright light. So I, I thank the Lord for you and um, everyone um, go and sign up for the for the for the retreat. That is an experience that you don't want to miss. And it is an experience that you need. You know, you're listening. You know, you need it. You feeling that Within you, go ahead and sign up um, to go. Well, everyone, my name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for Every Heart, Every Woman. It has been a blessing to have you here with us. Um, I pray that you have a a blessed week and that you. Leave this conversation feeling inspired and feeling like there is hope because there is because of the hope that Jesus Christ has um, given to the world. We are a partner of Love Ministries. So go to loveministriesbuilds.org, get all of the great information about Love Ministries. Also go to my website, carlanivins.com. We will see you back here next time.